What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 174. And today we're here with my boy Zoe from Ah uh, Nice Ones. <laughs> I was going to call you from Offset. I t- from Offset. <laughs> I told you that before the podcast started, I said, what do you want me to call you? Because I call you like 17 different things. And you, and you told me an interesting story, bro. You said to call you Zoe. Um, why was that? Yeah, man, Zoe's a, a term. Um, if you're Haitian, you understand that you might call another person Zoe or or what have you, and it's just an enduring term from uh, the culture that I'm from. You know what yeah. I mean? A lot of people don't know that I'm Haitian and that I'm actually first generation in this country Haitian, so um, it's kind of a big deal. And so I adopted the name Zoe because, you know, Offset had, had been around forever because I had never been on set when I was shooting, you know? Mm. And so I added the Zoe to it because I'm prideful. Like, I'm really prideful about my heritage and where I'm from. And, you know, since, again, being first generation here, I thought that it was good that people knew that about me. Gotcha. Um, to me, I automatically assumed people knew that. So I was surprised when you didn't necessarily know what Zoe meant. No, dude. Um, and I, I always call you O. Yeah, no, true. <laughs> Ever true. since I've known you, I've always called you Oh, but uh, you have so many friends like that, dude, that you'll just call them something and then you go to their house and their mom calls them something else. And you're like, hey, what the fuck? That's your name? Like, yeah, that's man, my name. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you what my mom calls me, man. There's no way we're going into that. I can't see that happening at all. <laughs> my, my mom calls me pendejo. And in uh, Spanish, that means a uh, beautiful angel. <laughs> what does she call you? Pendejo. Bandejo, and, oh. and that means beautiful angel son. It must mean that. I, I hope mean, so. I've, I've had some memes around that says, "Yo, I'm a bad man." They call me Bandejo around the way. Yeah, like, there you go. Beautiful angel, beautiful angel. That's serious. That's serious. Oh, That's I'm crazy, glad man. to uh, sit here with you, man. Last time we talked was episode sixty. It was it was like early sixties, dude. Yeah. And this is 174. That's nuts, man. You've really been putting in the groundwork to make this thing happen. Thank you, bro. Congratulations on that type of success. It takes, you know, it takes so much to be able to be this consistent. So I'm glad that you've been able to do it. And I'm glad that you've had so much different talent on here and had so many different, you know, perspectives on here. Like, I love the pod. I love what you're doing with it. I'm really glad to be a part of it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. You know, I've, uh, I've just, now all I figure is just keep doing it. Put your head down, just keep doing the work and it'll come around. And one thing that's really helped me see the light on the other end is hearing stories like um the artist Russ. Are you familiar with Russ? Yeah, so, I'm real familiar with Russ. So um like a quick story about him is that he he does everything himself as far as producing, um, doing the the beats, the lyrics and all that kind of stuff. And some of his his most popular hits were songs that he made, you know, five years ago that were just put on his SoundCloud because he did something where he came out with a new song. I'm going to butcher this, but I think it was once every week he came out with a new song. Yeah. So um, that's grind. That's the grind, man. And that's what I'm hoping for. So hopefully one of these days that people will come to this and, you know, hear the the history of the the Honda community Um, and much more important talks that we need to have. And that, that brings us to here today, man. Yeah, man. Um, I agree. And I think there's a couple of key things that you said that are real important. Um, when you talk a little bit about community, um, whether it's the Honda community or any community, understanding what the word community means is big. And so there's a group of people 
who connect on one or a few different things and they enjoy each other's company in a sense or maybe not maybe they're just you know here because you have things that are relatable but in a sense i appreciate the fact that you actually take the opportunity to bring a lot of the community together on not just like car related topics you know what i mean i think um you know one of the things like we were just rapping about you know last week or so was just um kind of like what's what's happening you know what I mean? What's happening in America. And then it just seems like things continue to go downhill with, you know, what happened with, um, with George Floyd. And, um, you know, for me personally, um, that's a really hard topic to breach. It's a hard topic to talk about, which is why I really wanted to talk about it. You know what I mean? I feel like it's important that people, um, are comfortable with having conversations and um, not shying away from them, no matter how uncomfortable they are, you know. Um, a little bit of uh, history uh, uh, about me um, that I think will segue into this in the right way is, again, you know, first generation Haitian. And my mother came here um, before I was born. And I don't know anything else in the U.S. And I also don't speak Creole, like at all. I don't speak any Creole. And, you know, my sister does, and she was born here, too, and she's a little older than me, um, but my mom never focused on teaching me Creole, and I was always tight about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always like, you know, it would be dope to be able to have, you know, two languages and speak a slang of French and have that in my back pocket. Um, and, you know, she explained it to me when I got a little bit older. And um, what she said to me was, I wanted to make sure that you particularly had the ability to speak extremely well yeah um because she was worried that when i left the house um if i didn't have great diction or if i wasn't um educated that something could happen to me and um i didn't understand the difference between me and my sister at the time but as i got older i understood where her concerns came from you know what i mean and i think you know, that segues into what is happening in America right now. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't I don't know how other ethnicities may have grown up. Um, but for me personally, how I grew up was once I got to a certain age and I was going on the house more and more and I was less in contact with my mom about certain things. Um, she sat me down and had that talk about how, you know, if you ever get pulled over, you know, when you're asked to put your hands out the window, please do that. If they ask you to comply, please do that. Just do whatever you really need to do to make sure that you make it home and we'll figure it out later on. You know what I mean? But the first thing you have to do is be able to make it home. And she tied my speech to that, mm-hmm. like hardcore, to the point that she wouldn't even entertain me learning anything else until I mastered this. You know what I mean? So. Um, it took me years to understand it, but I appreciate her for it. Not, I'm not happy that she felt like that was the way to do it, right? But I understand her reasoning behind it and the difference between myself and my sister at that, right? Got you. Uh, now, quick question. Um, when, How old was your mom when she moved here from Haiti? She was 20. She was 20. Okay, so yeah. um, did she have these similar experiences in Haiti or it was uh, it was a shock when she came to the U.S. that this is how things were done? No. I mean, you know, it's crazy that you bring that up because she didn't understand. She knew that there was racism in the United States, 
but she took it more from an immigrant perspective than she did from a race perspective. Gotcha. And let me explain what that means, right? So, you know, in recent days, you hear a lot of people talk about, um, well, black people aren't the only people to experience um, feeling different. You know, immigrants came over here and they felt different and they were treated different and they were enslaved at one point or another. Um, and my mom would look at it in that same way as well. Well, you know what? If you're able to speak well, you can assimilate, mm -hmm. you know? And the fact of the matter is she was wrong. Like, I, I cannot assimilate. While somebody from Italy over years can begin to lose their accent and, and then you'll have an American who will look at someone who was from Italy and they won't be able to necessarily tell the difference whether they were born here or not eventually after yeah. years of not being an accent. Same thing with people who are Polish, even for, you know, somebody like you who are, who's Mexican. If, if we shave everything and throw an accent on you, no one will even know you're Mexican. You can assimilate yeah. where, you know, my mom thought we could. And the truth of it is that we can't. You know, we our skin tone does make us a reminder of the past and of items that were less than. And, and, you know, as I grew into a man, I began to understand that. But she never understood it. Like my mother was more concerned about you trusting someone from her old country than she was concerned about the police because her bad experiences came from that. Gotcha. They didn't come from the police in the United <clears throat> States. She always saw it as well whatever you want to do here, you can do regardless of race, because that's what she was told when she got here. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, it's a sad story because I feel like it's one of those things where she thought that would protect me from things and it didn't. And, um, I lost some of my heritage trying to fit into another culture. I got, you, you know what I mean? And yeah. for me, that, for me, that's something that I've had to grow with and, you know, for if for lack of a better term, it's something that I haven't necessarily been able to get over too, too much because, you know, I haven't been able to teach my kids French or Creole because I never learned it. You know what I mean? And, you know, that affects generations later on. You begin to lose yourself in that a little bit. And so, you know, there's just different perspectives on the way that I grew up, especially with my race and especially with, um, you know, being an immigrant, my mother being an immigrant coming over this country. So it's just been a lot of differences, a lot of changes. Gotcha, man. Yeah, I kind of feel... Um the same in a sense as I was never really taught Spanish growing up. You know, my parents never really talked Spanish. And if they did, it was, um, they were saying things that they didn't want us to hear. So they were, you know, right, it, was, exactly. it was their code language, but I really wish that I would have learned Spanish because it, it is very surprising to people. I mean, maybe not in California, but in other places, you tell somebody that you're Mexican and you don't really speak fluent Spanish, they kind of look at you a different way. But then in California, right. like most people here uh, are Mexican. You know, there's a large percentage of, of Mexican population here in California. And I know a lot of people that don't know Spanish because people were getting away from Mexico and they were coming here to, to know a new life and start yes. a new life. Yeah. And then 100%. on the other side of things, I know Mexican people that came here and they weren't allowed to speak English in their home at all. And it was it was frowned upon. So it's kind of it would it would be nice to have that happy medium to know your culture, know where you came from. But then also know that you're in a new culture and you need to figure out how things move here. So at least you got that part right. 
No, I definitely got that part right. And you know what? She did the best that she could with what she could. And it, it, I'm grateful that, you know, she prepared me um, for America in a sense and, and what I was walking out to because it was the only place that I ever knew. So um, I think before we even go on, it's important for us to stop and, um, you know, wish George Floyd's family all the best that we pray for them. Definitely. Um, that, you know, we can never replace what he was or what's happened to him, but that, you know, his actual physical sacrifice has sparked something in this country that's way overdue. Definitely. You know what I mean? And I think we're going to get more in different um, depths about talking about that because I feel like, you know, there's a lot of communication that isn't happening Yeah. in, in, in necessarily the right way, especially in our own community. And, um, you know, in the in the Honda community, in the car community in general, I think there is a large lack of understanding because let's be honest, while there is, you know what I mean, a black presence, mm -hmm. um, there's less of a black presence than there is um, other ethnicities in it, you know, and um, I think that there's a lack of understanding about a lot of things that go into it because we just don't talk about it. Yeah. We just don't want to feel uncomfortable around each other. We want to focus on, you know, what we came together to talk about, which is these builds and these cars and going fast and events and, you know, everything else that we get caught up with. But um, there's more to it than that. You know what I mean? There's a lot more to it. And and I feel like it's just important that we have this dialogue and that we have these conversations and that we make an impact with our community first so that people can understand that there's a way that we can have a dialogue and still have different opinions across the board. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I feel that um, people people look up to you for what you've done, um, especially for the community. And um, I want them to look at you in, in a light as not just Zoe from nice ones, but a black man in America. And I think that if they they were able to, to put both of those things together, it would be a lot harder to be dismissive over issues that are going on right now, because this could possibly be an issue that Zoe from Nice Ones is going to face one of these days. Not to I this mean, extreme, but being pulled over and, and um, you know, um, just not treated right. You know, let's talk about that. Um because I feel like um, my perspective on being pulled over um, may be different from other people who aren't black men in America, right? And I don't say that loosely, so I want to make sure that I um, that we have a conversation about what I mean, you know. And um, you know, we're from a car culture, so we all, I think, tense up quite a bit when the police are right behind us because the car is modified and. You know, they're looking for reasons and, you know, there's a hundred violations. Who knows what you have in the car coming from a meet? Like everybody that can relate in this community, if you've had a modified car, I'm sure that you feel as though um, you felt fear when the police are behind you. Right. I think the difference between that and what I feel like I experience is that um I'm concerned with all those things because everything I drive is modified anyways. But um, even on top of that, I feel like if, if this doesn't go well, and it's one of the first like 10 things I think about, if this doesn't go well, I may not go home tonight. Like what road am I on? 
Like, did I turn on my camera to make sure that everything is caught in the right way right now? How's he going to be if he sees that I turn on my camera? Will he take it and turn it off? You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if I'm in the wrong, that doesn't mean I shouldn't be allowed to go home and see my family, you know? And I don't think anybody can really understand that feeling when you're first getting pulled over before the cop even comes to the door. I don't know what that cop's perspective is on me. He mm. could be the nicest guy in the world, but my initial is that if this doesn't go well, I might not go home tonight. And the best way that I can relate the anxiousness that goes along with that is if um, if anyone's ever been unfortunate enough to end up in the hospital and kind of wake up and not know what's happening, I relate the two in the same. Like there's a panic in that and there's a concern in that that it's hard to justify unless you've been in a, a real emergency situation. And it's all happening and nothing's happened yet. Yeah. It's just the lights and the person walking up before the window was open that I feel all those things. And then the next question that I'm looking to not hear is, wow, you look really anxious. What's going on? Yeah. Of course I'm anxious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it of course I'm anxious. Of course I'm concerned. And now there's probable cause for it to be more than what it needs to be. And I've been in situations like that and to be honest with you, thank God I've, I, I haven't had to face like police brutality. No one's ever beat me up or, you know, put hands on me. But, um, like I've had dogs called for no reason. Um, I've been questioned about where I'm going repeatedly and then told that I wasn't, um, being honest about that when I was totally being straightforward about it. You know what I mean? And, it's just the assumption or I've been pulled over and said, well, you look like a suspect. Yeah. You know, those are all things that I've experienced, you know, in my lifetime over and over again. I've been told to put my hands out the window before I step out. All right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. those are all things. But it's nothing I wasn't necessarily prepared for because my mother was and um, still does have the foresight to remind me about who I am and where I am and how I need to act. So. Uh, and, and that's sad to me because here I am now as a father and I still need to teach those lessons to my son as opposed to teaching him to speak Creole. Yeah. And, um, and you know, that, that is something that, you know, internally I'm angry about that. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not happy that that had to be the case, but I understand the choices that she had to make in order to make sure that I stayed safe and I came home. So I, I try to really empathize with her um, in that regard. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Now, um, what is your earliest memory of um, experiencing some sort of racism, um, either from, from the police or, you know, in general? Uh, actually, it, it jumps right to the front of my memory. I had skipped school. And I was in the city with a group of my friends. And um, most of my friends at that time in the private school that I was in was white. And I had one other black friend and one other Asian friend there. And we were walking in the city. And, you know, I had noticed that some lady had dropped her wallet. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I picked it up right away. And then my boy tried to open it. I was like, no, nah, don't open it. Let's just get it back to her. And let's keep it moving. Let's just do the right thing. And so I'm the one that walked over there and handed it to her. I said, miss, you dropped this. And opposed to her saying thank you, she grabbed me like super tight by my sleeve and checked her wallet while I was standing there. 
Wow. And and I was I was kind of like taken back, but I was like, yo, like, is everything there? You know what I mean? And she said, hey, you're lucky everything's here. She didn't even say thank you. Hmm. She just kept it moving. And my friend, you know, one of the friends that was white was like, if I had handed her that, she would have said thank you. Yeah. He was right. And I know it wasn't a big deal for him at the time because we were joking and laughing and this, that, and the third. But that was one of my first experiences where I knew I was different from the people that I was with and I had to look at it different. Now, that's one thing that I want to talk about as well. Um, being around people, friends um, that maybe don't understand it or wouldn't see it from your point of view. How do you have those those difficult conversations um, when you're around a group of people. I'm sure everybody could relate to this. You're at the track or you're at a car meet or something like that. And then somebody says something that is, is, is an offense, offensive term or, you know, just a joke or something like that. What, what is your first instinct when things like that pop up in a, in a safe zone where we're supposed to be having a great time in our hobby? You know, um, that's tough because there have been times where I feel like, you know, it it could get there, but it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it could like there's joking around that may be happening in the background or um, but I've never had it really said to me that way. And I don't typically get included in that. And I feel like the reason why I'm not included in that is because of. Um, I feel like I put off a vibe for stuff like that. Like, I, I want people to understand that it's not like, don't come here yeah. with that extra this, that, and the third. I think a lot of people don't realize that um, Nice Ones is a black-owned company. We're all black, right? Yeah. To the point that, you know, there was a time in Nice Ones where, um, like, we were concerned about not having somebody who was white to be able to talk to certain racers because there was a vibe that we got. Really? So we don't always get to a point where we're saying, Hey, like we can't approach everybody down South in the pits when we go to cover, you know, big motor cars doing something different than the quarter mile. You know what I mean? So we have to gauge that, that very differently. Other media outlets may just be able to walk up to the pits and have a conversation. We have to look at the way that's set up. We have to look at someone's social media. Mm -hmm. We have to look at the people that they're around. We have to look at whether they're looking at us from a distance in a certain way versus us looking at them. And then we have to gauge that and make a decision. I don't know who else has to do that yeah. in motorsports. And, it, and it's not something that we need to talk about. It's just something that we all understand. Like at the end of scoping something out, we'll be able to be like, so how you feel like they'll take the interview, think they're with it or they're not with it, you know? Yeah. And if we feel like there's even a hint of it being something other than, you know, a peaceful conversation, there's no struggle in regards to race, um, you know, I feel like then we move forward. And if we feel like it's not that, then, then we don't. Um, I think the one time where it came really close, though, if I'm honest with you, is uh, we were in down south Georgia. And um, and we were at um, Duck Long's event, right? And I don't know if you know who Duck Long is, but he he runs a bunch of um, you know, big tire gotcha. 
big motor classes. Got you know it. what I mean? Yeah. Not to leave it left over on everybody, but it was just one of those things that she, he really runs like a really tight ship down in South Georgia. And we all know how South Georgia can be. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, we were at the line. He gave us passes to go. We were at the line. We were recording. Um, and there was a group of guys who were black, who were running a, a big tire Mustang. And we went to interview them. And when we were done with the interview, like they came up to us and they said, all right, so you know, you can you can go and interview this person and that person, but I wouldn't try to interview this person and that person. And I'd look at him and be like, Yo, why is that the case? And his response was, because they they're not going to let no nigga in their pits. Hmm. And they and they pit pretty close to them and they know each other. Right. They know each other from a distance. Yeah. Um, but they just said it is what it is. And us being from New York. New Jersey and Connecticut, we don't understand that term of it is what it is. Like we want to know what the problem is. We yeah. want to, we want to get an understanding of why that's the case. But him being from there, he inherently understood that there's a line there that I recommend that you gentlemen don't cross. Got and it, it was one of those things where we didn't go over there and we didn't ask him for the interview. And it sucks because, you know, they're going fast and they're about to support and, we're people at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the fact that there's some fear in the way that we'll be perceived just based on the color of our skin is a situation that we see and we feel like it's fucked up. Now, have you read situations wrong and went for the interview or went to talk to somebody and you got blown off? What do you mean? Like when we've come up to someone and they said, I, I mean, I can't definitely say that it's based on on racism and that's the one thing that people have to understand not everything people do are racist not every way that they respond to certain things is a racist response mm -hmm. somebody could have just blown their motor in the pits and they're pissed off and they don't want to talk to you or anybody else period i don't want to deal with you i don't want to deal with that person i don't want to deal with my wife right now i don't yeah. want to deal with anybody and so when i'm talking about reading like we've had people who said i don't want to do an interview right now but i never felt like someone said i don't want to do an interview based on race and i could be wrong because they played it the right way or i could be right that it's just been you know situations and circumstances um i'm happy to say that a lot of the time the community has um has embraced us but i just don't know if they knew that you know we were an all-black company i don't know that that's the case i mean even if you go on nice ones right now you'll see a thumbs up and you'll see it in whatever color it doesn't matter yeah, I don't know that people necessarily pick up the fact that um, like we have been for a long time, a black owned business and we're open to all creeds. Like I, there's a bunch of people who have worked with nice ones in the past that have been different colors in the past that have worked out great. But they've all understood that there's a concern about race when we go to the track and we want to interview someone or talk to somebody. And we have to be cautious about that, you know. Got you. Do you ever feel like your cautiousness is because of where you're from and how you were brought up? And maybe when you bring that cautiousness to somebody else who was born and raised in a totally different way, that you could be perceiving it in a totally different way? Um, You know, when I say that we kind of, it's unspoken in a sense, like, we as a group of black men, 
understand what dog whistles were looking for. And we listen for them and we pay attention Got to them. Got you. You know what I mean? Like, for example, um, I know a lot of people like the Confederate flag. Yeah. If the Confederate flag is there, that's a flag to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your perspective is on that. You know what I mean? Like, th- those types of things are dog whistles to us because we know what that represented in the past. Got so you. we look for symbols like that. We look for just a better understanding of, all right, if we know you're on that time and we're on this one, we want to avoid clients, like not necessarily get into the middle of it. Got you. And then on the other side of things, maybe somebody doesn't understand that those things that they would be doing would be dog whistles. So it's kind of good to to have that information out there so somebody can self-reflect and see like, wow, I didn't even think that that meant anything. I'm just from the South and this is this is our flag you know, um, and that maybe they don't understand the history of it. So it's, it's good know, to I, know those kind of examples. I agree with you. I agree with you to, to an extent. I feel like um, most people in America know what the Confederate flag represented. And I know that there are people who like it because uh, it stood for the South, but it was also um, the difference between the North and the South from a civil war perspective. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. So if, if you're not aware that that's a dog whistle, you're either ignorant to that or you're choosing to ignore it because you are going to represent yourself very differently to make everyone feel comfortable. And if I'm honest with you, I've seen that too. Like I've seen where there's someone who's rocking a Confederate flag on their truck and they'll come out and they'll hand me a plate of food and a beer. And I was totally wrong in what I was thinking. And that's amazing. But they don't understand what that flag represents to me because they're they're not raised in a household where they need to be concerned about that flag. Got you, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's a lot of this stuff is about perspective. And I talk about perspective heavily, especially on this topic, because um, and we talked about it earlier um, for for me to expect a person who's not of color to understand the rage behind George Floyd's murder um, is too much for me to expect from a person who's not of color because they've never had to live it. You know what I mean? Like I say people understand and understanding is one thing, but to absorb it, and to put it on your shoulders and to walk with it is completely another. I can tell you how heavy a backpack is. Until you carry it, you don't understand what it does to your body, your legs. Your, you can't really express the feeling unless you've lived it. Yeah. And I think that um, on both sides of the aisle, there is an expectation for the other side to understand. Yeah. And that's an unrealistic expectation. It's unrealistic for you to say that you totally understand what it means for a black man in America to be concerned about police brutality because you're not a black man in America. It's totally unrealistic for me to say that I understand what it's like to be a white person in America and look at what's happening right now and say, oh, I totally understand why you would feel left out. Yeah. I can't speak to that. But what does work, in my experience at least, is being able to have that conversation and to be able to empathize with each other yeah. on stuff like that. Like empathy goes a long way. I'm not saying that I 
have absorbed whatever your struggle is. I'm not saying that I can't speak to the reasons behind Black Lives Matter because I'm not black in a sense. I can I can empathize with and stand next to and 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 support, but that fight is not my fight because I'm not the one being oppressed. You know what I mean? Like people really need to get that understanding of don't overexpect people to absorb your struggle if they haven't walked through your struggle. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute. We all know that there's tons of places you can buy your car parts at, but when you really need help, who's in your corner? When you need parts for your Honda, you need to visit HeelToeAuto.com. Since 2002, Hilto has built a reputation for service and support. Let me repeat that, guys. Since 2002, it's 2020 right now. That's a long time of experience, man. These social media slingers and copycat web stores can't match Hilto's professionalism. Hilto even offers a complete OEM store for all your genuine parts needs, whether it's for show, race, or just a badass daily. Remember that HiltoAuto.com is in your corner. And guys, if you're on Instagram, make sure you check them out at Hilltoe Automotive. Please, please go to their page right now, add them, and comment that you heard them on Downtime with Downstar podcast. Next up is Downstar. Downstar is the premium leader in dress-up hardware and engine bay accessories. We have all the nuts and bolts for all your screwing and nutting needs. From engine kits, transmission kits, mount kits, clutch lines, brake kits, t-shirts, skateboards, hats lighters damn we got it all we we actually have too much guys so if you can please come over and buy some stuff at downstarring.com or check us out at instagram at downstar make sure you give us a follow now back to the show yeah definitely and that that could be anything that can be from you know us being um automotive enthusiast you know, Absolutely. if you look at an uh, automotive enthusiast and you don't care about cars at all from point A to point B, mostly it's going to become a nuisance to you. They're reckless. It's a nuisance. It's loud. And if there's a bill that passes that is unjust to automotive automotive enthusiasts, but it it stops exhaust from being loud, you know, then people will feel happy. That that got taken, yeah. that that law was passed, but they don't understand the effects that it has behind it because you're not part of that community. But if it takes somebody that understands certain hobbies and they understand, you, hey, I'm into I'm into mountain biking, and if they said that all trails are closed, that's a problem. And me being an automotive enthusiast, if my buddy was into mountain biking and that happened, I'd be like, yo, man, I, I feel you because. I see the issues that you're going through and I put myself in that same position, but I kind of, I see that what you're going through and I see how you're, it's making you feel. And I reflect to myself when I've felt like you're telling me, I felt scared. I felt lonely. You know, when, when a police pulls me over and I'm not sure if I'm going to make it home tonight. You know, I've had those sort of feelings, maybe not with a police officer, but maybe in an other situation that I've been in. And I think empathy is one thing that you re- that you hit on that that we need a lot of. And this is like a blanket thing that will cover, you know, uh, racism, um, all the issues that we're having going, even COVID stuff that's going on 
right now. You know, if people just had a little more empathy to understand that, yo, maybe I don't understand exactly what, what Zoe's going through, but he's going through something. He's saying he's going through something on all of his social medias. It, I can read that he's going through something. I love what Nice yeah. Ones does. I love the videos yeah. that they post up. Now, one of the major persons of that media outlet is going through something. Not only you, but everybody in that media outlet is going through something. Maybe I should be a little more empathetic about what it is right now. And that I'm not just using you for entertainment. Entertain me when yeah. you have some videos up. You know? Yeah, 100%. And I, and I think a lot of that perspective comes from, like, I'm, I'm blessed enough to be, like, I've had a lot of people of all ethnicities that have supported, you know, just me getting older and becoming wiser and becoming more successful. I've had a lot of people from every area and I've had the ability to have just very candid conversations. So the kid that told me, right, that if it was me um, with that story that I told you with the yes. old lady, the kid that told me if it was me, she would have said thank you and moved on, ended up becoming like one of my best friends. Like we like he was the best man in my wedding. Wow. Um, like he, like the only reason I'm into cars right now is because him and his dad, um, they were the ones who took me in the garage to work on my sick, my first 68 Chevelle, take it up the block as a kid, drive around the corner, come back down, and love, like love cars from that moment on. First time I picked up a wrench, first time I, I, I got to wire up and fire up a motor, like all those things. We would go in there on Saturdays. Saturday morning after I'd spend the night, We'd go right to the garage. We'd start working on it until sundown. He would have a beer. He'd come inside, play the news. And he loved NASCAR. And he loves Trump. And, he, you know, as an older man now, like, this is him. If most people would look at his online presence yeah, and think that this man is a complete and utter, you know, racist. Yeah. Was, that's what you would think. Yeah. But. You don't know that that man, when I needed a place to stay, held me down for a year and a half just yeah. so that I could, you know, take care of what I needed to take care of to get back on my feet. Or the fact that when I graduated from school, like he was tearing up in the audience when my parents couldn't be there. Like there's a lot of things that people don't understand because we don't take the opportunity to step outside of our comfort zone and try to understand. So I had a lot of opportunity to be really comfortable in asking questions and talking through this stuff with people like that to get where their frustrations come from and explain mine. You know yeah. what I mean? And explain mine and get to a point of the one thing that I know for sure is that for us to understand each other's particular struggle, especially when it comes to race, is an unreal, unrealistic expectation. Because I could tell you all day long that we spoke about it, but to this day, does he understand? No. Yeah. Nope. Doesn't understand. And for me to expect him to is um, is really unrealistic on my part because I feel like you really have to live it in order to really get that understanding. Yeah. And uh, having conversations is extremely important, especially if you have friends that are part of the oppressed group or part of the group that is, is being attacked at the moment. You know, um, one of my really good friends is a police officer. And uh, every time something pops up about injustice, I always reach out to him to get his point of view on things. And for this particular situation, he said that man was murdered and 
they they need to go down. And he said if there's if there's somebody that hates crooked crooked cops um, the most, it's gonna be good cops, you know. And then the next day, um, there was another video that that was posted up about two officers in New York, and I believe both of them were black officers, and they ended up shooting another guy, right? Uh, it, was, it was a black guy, and they ended up shooting him. And uh, I saw the video, and of course, you know, I, I reposted it. And then he messaged me back. He's like, yeah, I've been in that situation many a times. And my my partner was so close to shooting the guy, but I ended up knocking the guy out before. And he says, if you watch that video, you could see that he's reaching for something. You know, so it's it's like, I can't just, then I had to delete it. I had to delete the video because for that specific situation, I didn't have enough information and he is more versed on this this subject than I am. So it was very um, it was very irresponsible of me to keep spreading that narrative, especially right now when things are red hot. You know, he told me he said when things open up, you could come on a, on a ride with me and see how things are. You know, um, and I appreciate that. I appreciate being able to have friends like that that I can talk to about it. You and I have conversations that people would presume that they're heated conversations but we're both passionate people and at the end of the day we could just say okay cool well you know agree to disagree or if you come up with any more information that i didn't know let's share that and then we'll go from there because my understanding about things is not cemented it's it's fluid and if you come up with some information that i wasn't aware of or if he came up with some information that i wasn't aware of that now that changes my opinion on things but it took me a long time to get like that and i don't hold that over anybody else to be able to understand things at the level that i do no and that's that's the way that perspective really works right but the part of it that i feel like we're missing especially today is that people's people so people are so scared to talk through their perspective in fear that the other person's perspective is going to be totally the polar opposite Mm -hmm. And that's okay. It doesn't. It doesn't have to agree. It's how we receive the information and how we communicate back that matters. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's huge. Like one of the most amazing things that I've seen in the past week is the number of is the number of people who have stepped up to make sure that George Floyd's death doesn't happen in vain. It's not just the people who are black and it's their cause. It's the people who are not black who took up that cause. Anytime somebody takes up a cause that's not theirs with the right heart, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That's a rarity. You know what I'm saying? And, and another piece that I think is really important is stop, stop blaming the flag for it and i want to be clear when i say that i want to be very very clear um i love this country regardless um i'm not going to allow anybody to burn the flag in front of me regardless i'm all for black lives matter but i'm not going to allow you to take it out on the flag okay and that comes from the way that i was raised that comes maybe from my closest friend's dad and his love for it and his experience in the navy and some of my families that have been in the military, right? 
I'm not going to allow that. But there's got to be give and take and understanding here. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we, we need to be able to communicate our frustrations to our leadership and ensure that they're heard. There was no looting and rioting when Trayvon Martin died. We took a knee. Yeah. And people weren't comfortable with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you if we peacefully protested then and we were told that we weren't supposed to. Yeah. If you don't understand what's happening with the riots now and 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 you understand how many people have been wronged in this and how many times you know, you've been told to do it this way and then it'll be heard that way and then it'll be heard and you do it all the ways you're told to do it and you're still not heard, things become very elementary at that point, mm-hmm. which means you're mad and you act on that anger. Yes. So I understand it. You know what I mean? And I know that there are people who don't understand it um, because the perspective is not theirs to put on their shoulders and own. So I think us educating or communicating and telling people why, you know, these protests are happening and why some people are rioting and also identifying the difference between a person who's rioting for a cause. Yes. And a person who's just on one to damage whatever's in the way because it's a good time after being let loose from Corona. That's two different things. Yes. And I don't agree with the rioting. Yes. I think we're killing our own community by breaking down and and destroying and and having people rebuild. You don't know if it's a black man or a white man or whomever that owns that building. You're just in that area to go through it. Right. Yeah. I think that we need to take a look at that perspective and ensure that the people who are protesting are heard. If you validate that they're heard, a lot more of this, I think, personally will stop. But notice, regardless of George Floyd's family calling for peace, there's been no peace, right? Why do you think that is? It's, this is bigger than George Floyd right now. This is, this is built up. And some people, this is re-sparking the flame inside of them from 92, from Rodney King. You know, just think if you're a 50-year-old man, you you were definitely around when Rodney King was going down. But it but how does it still happen? It's because people weren't heard. And they've tried to be heard since that time and they continue to not be heard. That's where the frustration comes from. Even today, as much as the news and the media are covering this, The people who need to hear this aren't acknowledging the totality of what we're trying to say. Yeah. Thank you for apologizing for George Floyd. We appreciate that. But what what are you going to do in the future to change it? What about everybody else? Yeah. And you don't want to address that. And I'm not saying you, but I'm saying a good part of our leaders don't want to address that. And I can't understand from my perspective as to why, because, you know, I'm not a white male in mm-hmm. in that kind of power to make those decisions. And my expectation for them to make those decisions without my perspective is one that's so far above me that I can't even begin to speak to it. Like, how could you expect someone who hasn't walked in your shoes 
to make effective changes on situations that affect your actual life. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a big deal. That's part of it that I want to be clear on because if we don't get that part of it right, expecting change doesn't doesn't make sense. And it needs to be a communication. It needs to be us dialoguing and then us listening. Yeah. And then them dialoguing and then them listening. If we're able to listen to each other and, and begin to accept each other's perspective, then I think we'll be in a better position to see some type of change. And already I think that for the first time, at least in my opinion, you know, we are beginning to see some changes. Yeah. Right. When I see cops kneel in solidarity with people who are protesting, that's the stuff I want my son to see. When I see, you know, protesters who are um, protecting a cop who was separated from his unit, that's the stuff that I want to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I see a police chief that calms the crowd with no weapon in his hand and nobody else around him, those are the things that let me know that we've been heard. And I didn't see those in the past with everything else that was happening over the past decade. I saw it as a news clipping and as an, as an article and a passing thought. And when it becomes a passing thought enough, talking stops and peace stops and riots erupt. Yeah. And I, you know, the water is so muddy right now. And I feel like the water was intentionally muddied to um, slow down the progress that was being made. Um I, I totally agree with you that it feels like this is a totally different situation than in the past. This was probably the most blatant that we've ever seen. And it feels like it was meant to be blatant. It feels stuff is weird right now, man. Um, yeah. It feels like there, there's so many videos popping up of people that are causing the, the chaos you know, uh, random piles of bricks being placed strategically all around the, the major cities. There's a lot that's going on. And I, I really hope that people use their, their critical thinking skills to decipher everything that is going on right now because there's definitely people that want to make uh, black people look bad. There's definitely people that want to make police officers look bad. And there's definitely people that don't give a fuck about anybody and want to just see this this whole thing burn down. And Oh, I totally agree. You have to be able to see everything with a clear eye and understand what is actually going on here. Where is the confusion? Where What is strategically being done to push a certain narrative to make this die down to keep this ramped up what's really going on here and i feel like that is the the bigger problem than it's covering up what's really going on with you know some a lot of police officers they're they're marching and they're they're with the protest just like i said my friend he said that guy needs to go to jail this was bullshit yeah but everything that you see on the media is about the riot and rioting and looting and just the negativity. I'm glad you brought up media because I feel like, um, you know, me being in the business of media, I understand the impact that the, a narrative can have. Like there's no one that puts out edited content 
and doesn't have intentions for the way that it's received. So um, I just caution everybody um, to ensure that you create your own narrative with the information that you find. And it's okay to hear. It's another thing to actually listen. And before listening to just what the media tells you, do some research on your own, get a better understanding. Um, one piece of media that stands out to me quite a bit, and um, this might even shock you because of the times and the way things are right now, but you know who Deontay Wilder is? So he's uh, heavy. I boxing. do, but yeah. yes, 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 yes. So he had that interaction with um, um, a reporter, journalist, whatever you want to call him. Um, and he questioned him on his thought on um, struggle. Yes. You know what I mean? And I thought his response to it was appropriate because here you have a reporter, right, who's a man of color mm -hmm. who's questioning what you mean by struggle. And remember when I went back and I, I said, you know, when we're in the pits and we're looking around, like, it's kind of something that's unsaid. Like, we all get it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we look at it and we just get it. Like, there's an unsaid spoke. There's an unsaid thing to it. He called the reporter out on asking him a question to drag out the answer when he knew that you knew the answer. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't sit there and pretend like you don't because you want to get a narrative out of me or what have you. And I feel like a lot of that is happening right now across the board. Listen. We know that the protests are happening. We know that riots are happening. We know coronavirus is out there right now. And we know that the media, on whatever side of it you want to be on, continues to cover it for a check, mm -hmm. continues to cover it for attention. They are not adding to it to resolve it in most cases. A lot of the time, they're adding a little bit of salt to the wound. Yes. And it's sad because I feel like whether you're doing it on purpose or just based on quote unquote good journalism, there's a point where you have to stop and be a human being mm -hmm. and understand that you're pouring gas on this flame. And at the same time, um, our leadership is doing the exact same thing in this country. There's no other way around it. It's, 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 there's a million other words that you could choose to say at this point in time at this era in this country's history yeah, and the ones I feel like that our leadership are selecting, um, they're, they're off yeah. and they're not helping, but they're adding to it, which is why it continues to be. And if I'm clear, if I'm going to be totally honest, regardless of how anybody takes it, it's not their fault because they don't have the ability to answer that question. They don't have the ability to address this time. Yeah. in american society you know what i mean to yeah. expect that of them again is too much because that person just does not have the ability to do it that brings me to uh my next subject um now when you when you hear about um you know problems in in the ghettos and you know um crime and things like that how do you correlate that with um, the most popular genre of music right now, which is uh, rap and hip hop, which is mostly what is what is promoted 
from that you know just just looking at things from an outside point of view somebody that is not a part of the culture someone that doesn't listen to rap or hip-hop or anything and um just seeing this narrative pushed uh day in and day out for as long as i can remember about you know um robbing stealing cheating disrespecting women doing drugs selling drugs everything that i i've just mentioned is the negatives of our society and that is a way that really represents us because that that's something that 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 we feed ourselves you know i i really i really feel like anything that you that you take in whether you see it you listen to it you ingest it um you're bringing that into into your your culture into into yourself and um how can you see from somebody else's point of view when they see that that's what we are infatuated with how are they supposed to think about things in a different way when we're infatuated with uh so much negativity uh, that's a great question but at the same time um it's a very simple answer, I think. I think a lot of times the lyrics don't resonate with people because they don't live it. You don't live those things. It sounds great on the song. It sounds great to say and joke around with, with your friends and it's on a beat that you really like, but it never actually hits home. Yeah. I guarantee the people who have, um, who have listened to that music have never teared up to it. You know what I mean? Like There's Pac songs that I've teared up to. Mm-hmm. because I get it, you know what I mean? Because I understand what he's trying to say. And again, if I expect somebody to understand that from my perspective, that's not realistic, you know? So when you think about people who enjoy the culture but aren't of the culture, um, they may seem like passing words to some people, but it's history inscribes to others. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the difference in it. Like, I can't expect somebody to take you know um dear mama and really understand every living that's associated with that from Pac because he's coming from a place of a young black man in America at that time with his mom yeah it's not the same you know yeah. what I mean I, I agree with that but uh, my, uh dear mama is very very small percentage of uh Pac's message and maybe Pac is the wrong one to um to to speak about because he did talk about a lot of real stuff. Um a lot of the people that I'm speaking about nowadays is uh you know, say for an example like Future, right? Uh, uh Future, he promotes drug use. Well he did in the past. I don't I don't know what he does. He probably still does it now. Um there was an interview that, that Juice World did, Rest in Peace Juice World, that he said that he he started like uh, participating in those type of drugs because Future was an influence to him. And that led to Juice World's demise at the end of the day. You know, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is when do we start being responsible for the energy that we're putting out there as far as leading to the, the detriment of the youth? I mean, we're responsible now. I mean, there's no, 
there's no way to avoid the fact that we are responsible for the energy that we put out. But at the same time, um, people need to be held accountable for what responsibility they put out. They need to be held accountable. Like these people have parents who should be addressing a lot of these things with them too. You know what I mean? And if you're allowing another, if, whether it be music or a culture of any kind, you know, to raise your kids, um, then that's a concern that you have as a parent because not just is the music something concerning if you feel like it's going to influence them. What about friends that they're around or, you know, what about cultures that they're involved in just on the Internet? I mean, the things that you can get into on the Internet alone, you can become a terrorist before you know it. If I'm honest. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different areas of concern when you're talking about something like that, that I feel like, yes, we need to be responsible for the message. But people need to be involved in understanding the difference between me telling you my truth in my past versus you going out and doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Part of that has to be the case. Part of that has to be the conversation. Part of that has to be the responsibility of the person who is taking in that information and the people that care about that person around them, watching them go down that path and, and guiding them in a different way. You know what I mean? It takes a village. Yeah, and that's not just for kids. You know what I mean? I think it really does take a village. So there's a ton of things in this world that poison you, but you enjoy it. Yeah. Cigarettes poison you, but you enjoy them. You know, is it the cigarette company's fault that you're smoking it or the fact that you just aren't guided somebody by somebody else about your health? You know what I mean? Like that's a big give and take piece. And when you're talking about music and culture, especially black culture, um, I just caution people to, if you're hearing the lyrics of it, understand that that may be somebody else's truth, but that doesn't, you don't, that doesn't need to be your truth. Yeah. Don't go around feeling like you need to do everything in that track. You, you might need a role model or something. You know what I mean? Like th that to me, that doesn't always make the best sense. Yeah. And if the lyrics are what you're going to blame it on, rest in peace, Juice World. But Juice World, if you're going to take and blame, you know, future for your addiction, that first sip of whatever you were drinking wasn't the first time. Yeah. I feel you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's important to understand too. Like, um, you can't be alone in this world. No race, ethnicity, person should be. We weren't meant to be alone. And when you're around other people who actually care about you, expect for them to hold you accountable for the shit that you do. I think you mentioned something that's very important and that's uh, a role model, you know, and I feel like there's a there's a real lack of role models um, in in our community in you know, in our culture in general, there, there's a very lack of uh, role models. And I feel like that that's what we need right now. Uh, we need to, to educate these these young kids and let them know, hey, this path that you're going down right now, this way that you're thinking, um, you know, I don't want to get so so far off the subject, but. Um, no, we're definitely going to get on that subject. I, 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 I feel like people need to hear these kind of uncomfortable things and have them reflect on themselves and look, man. Maybe the things that you're doing isn't right, and maybe the reason that your life is in the situation that it is is because of your responsibility, and that has nothing to do with race, and that's more on on the um, not having role model side and on the culture side of things. And, um, you know, just seeing negativity 
negativity spread all the time. Negativity will spread way faster than any positiveness will. And, um, and that goes back to what I said earlier is, is seeing things with a, with a critical, um, with, with a critical thinking way of looking at it and understanding like, Hey, the song that I'm listening to, this is just entertainment. You know, I see it. And I was told that at a young age and I've always seen it as, at a young age, but what if those people didn't have the same opportunities, the same, um, you know, uh, guardians around telling them the same kind of big brothers, big cousins kind of, kind of feeding them game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I'm glad you mentioned role models because I think that that's huge. And I think that a lot of people um, don't always call them that, but you have somebody that you rely on and that you respect their opinion. And regardless of age and that, they're a role model to you in some way, shape or form. So feel comfortable in that. You know what I mean? Your peer can be your role model in a sense for one aspect or another. Definitely. Your role model doesn't need to be rolled up all into one person wearing a cape. Yes, yes. You can have that from a, diff a few different people. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that um, because, you know, you're wondering where these role models need to come from. And I think we all have that in us. I think we all have the ability to step in. And when we notice wrong, we call it out. We identify it or we address it. it it's important. Every, if everybody were to do what they felt like in their heart was to address something wrong happening to another person, you'd have a lot more role models and a lot less injustice, if, if, if I'm putting that correctly. Um, you know, I woke up this morning and I'm not gonna say any names because I don't feel like there needs to be any names said. Um, the person knows who they are because I commented on their live. But, um, you know, I said, I saw somebody who was talking about everything that happened with George Floyd. And, you know, the thing that I caught in the live when I logged in is they said, um, you can't ever change a racist person. Mm -hmm. Never. The best you could hope for is that they sit in the corner and they're quiet. And then you just take care of your own and you make sure your own are over here and you guys are good. You can't ever change a racist person. Mm -hmm. And I really, and that shit really, really, really had me tight because I question the reason why you say it. Um, I question if it just sounds good or if you mean that. And if you mean that, you're either ignorant or you're manipulative. Mm. And neither one of those are neither one of those are the right way to approach that type of a situation. And this person was not African American. This person was not black. Mm -hmm. Right? So what you mean to tell me, and this scenario came to mind, it's like you know, you have my let's just take my my closest friend. Right. Um, let's say that his father was truly racist, mm -hmm. hated people of any other color. And the first time he goes to school, he meets somebody of color and he doesn't like the person whatsoever. But he has to be around the person on a regular basis. Like you have to work together for something. You have to do this. And they begin to realize that there are certain aspects of this person that that I like or that we have in common. What you're basically telling those impressionable younger followers is that regardless of that, that person will never change. Yeah. When I've seen it, oh, I've seen people change. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you're the example, it's hard to hate on you. It's hard to hate on you. 
if you're the example, if you're the walking example, it's hard to hate on you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't always like if I've given you no reason to hate me, Frank, and you've had to be stuck around me for a weekend and you were racist by the end of the weekend. You may be like, hey, I'm still racist. But that guy over there, he's all right. Yeah, that's the start of a change. Yeah, 100 percent. That's the start of a change right there. Not because I said anything to you about Black Lives Matter, about anything else other than I was just myself around you. And you and you respected me enough to say, you know what, if this guy's like this, then not everybody could be bad. Yeah. And that's the beginning of a change or something. And when somebody puts out there to everyone, you can never change them. It doesn't matter. Like, forget them. I don't want my son growing up in that world like that. Your son doesn't have to grow up in a world like that. Those seeds that you plant, that you plant, are the things that can grow into something else that my son has to run into or avoid or jump over afterwards. And it's not fair, but it's life, right? Yeah. And and it's things like that that we're responsible for. You're responsible for, I'm responsible for, anybody who's hearing this is responsible for. It's your job to make sure that you call out dog whistles like that mm -hmm. or anything even remotely close to that because if you don't do it, nobody has the opportunity to look at a different perspective at that moment in time when they need it the most. Even if nobody hears you, them seeing it could plant something to be the opposition of that. You need to take action and plant that. If you're looking for your role models, they need to be all around us. Yeah. All of us need to be them. I, uh, the way that I perceive racism um, is from an ignorant standpoint from the the person not having enough information to make um an educated an educated decision on a certain person because any race there's great people and any race there's terrible people 100% so to group everybody up into a skin color and say that everybody's bad that's the same thing as grouping everybody in another color and saying everybody in that race is good now if you're going straight from a white man to a black man and this white man is racist you just ask that white man is there any white people that you hate that you despise yeah this guy this guy john he fucked my wife or whatever okay how do you know that there's not somebody on the other side that You'll connect. You don't. John fucked his wife too. <laughs> you know? Yep. And exactly. you know, I make a joke. I make know. a joke out of it, but it it's so stupid to think that that racism still exists because of that mentality. Like, look, man, we're not living in in the '60s anymore. There, this the phone that we have in our hands is this is the the possibility of knowledge is endless. You know, and for you to have this kind of stigma over somebody because they have a certain skin color is ignorant. And that says more about you than it does anybody else. So if that's the information that you want to put out about yourself, that you are the lowest, the bottom of the barrel of thinking, of critically thinking about things and the opinion that you create is so bottom of the barrel, that says so much about you than it does about any other race that you're talking about. And that's just the way that I see it. I don't know any racists and I've never heard of their opinion on how how they come to these conclusions, but 
It doesn't make any sense to me. You know what's crazy is um is the term white man didn't really come up before the United States of America was created. Did you know that? No. The term white man was not something that came up. You were either European or you were from a country. That's how they identified you. They didn't necessarily identify you um, based on color. Yeah. That happened here, right? And, um, you know, when you think about all the people who came over to this country, everybody were immigrants who felt like they were treated unfairly. We agree mm -hmm. that that's the case. It wasn't the people from England who made the most money or were in comfortable situations. If you were in a comfortable situation, you weren't worried about moving or revolting or doing anything else. Definitely. So you were the poorest of the poor and you were the lowest of the low and you were tired of being treated like shit. And you decided that you were going to get up and you were going to revolt. So it's tough for me to understand how people could understand the Boston Tea Party, and yet they can't understand why people are protesting. Yeah, It's tough for me to understand how people who have been treated low need to figure out another person who could be treated lower to make them feel good. Yeah, And it's a very basic principle. It's something that's happened here for a long time. Um, 400 years of slavery is something that I don't expect any other race to really understand in this country because they didn't have to live it, nor did I. But it was something that I had to learn about and understand almost as a rite of passage as a black man in America. So when you grow up, I'm sure that your mom didn't talk to you about the slave codes and what that meant mm -hmm. and that black people were considered property. That was a conversation we had the first time I got my license. What slave codes were. Never forgot it. It was the ability to kill a black man or black person if you did it by accident. Because they were property, you wouldn't be arrested. So every time you see a police officer killing another black person, black man, it takes us back to that place because even though we weren't there and we didn't experience, I can promise you all of us heard about it. All of us knew because we needed to know today why we were being treated differently or why they felt we were being treated differently. And it's important. It's important to have that understanding of perspective. It's important to understand how systematic racism, systemic, excuse me, racism, goes from 400 years of slavery up to 2020, and it's burning down half of our country right now as, as, as we're doing this podcast. The reason is because one part of this country has an in-depth understanding and continues to have an in-depth understanding about what slavery was and the other side of this country hasn't spoken about it for 400 years. Now, can you break down systemic racism um, to the everyday person that can actually understand what it means and how that is still affecting people to this day? I mean, yes and no. I don't want to pretend like I'm a huge scholar on it, but at the same time, I can get an understanding on you know, culture, because, you know, I, I, I live it, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, a lot of times you see people of color who were born into poverty, right? Um, when slaves were released, they were released with what? Nothing. They had to figure it out, right? They had to figure it out and grow it. Some of them did. 
Some of them did not, but none of them typically were educated, right? So you need to start there. Mm-hmm. Education. You want to talk about Ebonics? You want to talk about how that began? You want to talk about languages and all those things that go along with that? Slaves weren't allowed to learn how to read. Mm-hmm. So by the time the Civil War happened and everyone was freed, no one stopped to say, hey, let's teach you how to read because you're going to need to know that if you're going to begin a new life in this country and begin to gain or acquire land and money and jobs and so on and so forth. So privileges were denied at that point that continued to go down the line. Like, think about that for a second. If you, There are people in this country who are not of color who come from money. You've heard that term, come Mm -hmm. from money, right? A lot of black culture didn't have the opportunity to come from money. If there were some that came from money, it was because someone figured out a way to grow it through a business or through acquiring land or through a connection that they had and then pass that on to the next person so that the next person could become educated and the next person could figure out you know, how to speak business and how to get to the next level of their career to build a family to understand how wealth works later on. You know what I mean? I mean, even to this day, it's not always the most important thing in everyone's culture to go to college. But I want you to notice something. It's extremely important to black people for their children to go to college. College. Not Not a vocational school. Not a trade. College. Mm hmm. Because so many of them, through systemic racism, either didn't have the opportunity, the knowledge, or the money to do so. So when those things began to break down, when you see a black mother crying because that's the first person um, in their family, in their generation to go to college, it broke a piece of systemic racism right then and there. It's not something that people who are not of color consider to be such a large seal. It's expected. But for us, it's very different because it's a change in the way things have been in our families for generations and generations. And it's in the hope that we have the ability to start off in the same place as every other ethnicity could. I want to give you an example because I feel like this is the best way to describe systemic racism. And I don't know if um, you've ever seen this video or not, but there are a group of kids that are about to get into a race. Mm -hmm. Right? Have you seen this video? Yeah, but it's been a while. Okay, so um, I guess the coach says, you know, um, if you had two parents in your household, step forward. And then you see these kids step forward. They're blindfolded or something, right? Nope. No? No blindfold. Okay. Nope. They just step forward. And it goes in, if you never had to worry about um, your cell phone being cut off, step forward. If you never had to worry about where the next meal was coming from, step forward. If you never had to worry about helping to pay the bills, step forward. If you had um, a father in your household, step forward. And then he told the kids to all look around. And what you noticed were there were a lot of kids in the front that were white and had to look back. And there were a lot of kids in the back that were black and that were of other ethnicities. Yeah. And the coach said something very critical. He goes, by no actions of your own, you were in a better position than those gentlemen back there. And if they had the same, if they were at the same line as you, I bet you those black dudes would smoke you. But that doesn't stop them from running their race. Mm -hmm. Like when you talk about systemic racism, that's what it does. 
it just continues to st- it's not saying that you can't win at the race it's saying that you have to run that much harder to play catch up because you have these things that are against you culturally that come from what happened in the past and they faded out people don't talk about them as much they became fairy tales and stories that we heard around the kitchen table but we're living it every time that the light goes off and we can't afford to pay it because we're not educated enough to get the jobs that we want to pay the way that we need them to. It happens every time that we get rejected for not being able to take a job because we don't have a college education either because either we didn't have the money for it or we didn't have the opportunity. And I'm not saying that that's happening as much as it did in the past, but even after slavery was over, there was segregation, a difference in, you know, what education each person could have, a difference in what jobs we could have. All those things happened after the 400-year mark that people don't want to talk about. There was years of this, years of things that we were told we could not do because of the color of our skin. That's what is affecting systemic racism. That's how systemic racism affects the black community, at least in my perspective. I feel you on that, man. Um, Now, seeing this situation that just happened with George Floyd, rest in peace, um, how about... What about people looking at it as racism along with an abuse of power, seeing that there were more officers there that um, were not white? Um, And we've seen situations happen. And, you know, in the past couple days, you go to World Star right now, there's at least 100 videos from the last week that show um, police brutality towards all type of people. Um, Although not being a bigger issue than racism or, you know, overshadowing racism, but definitely another call to have concern for sure. It's definitely a power struggle. I mean, you know, what you're talking about, And what Black Lives Matter is talking about is more about the oppression of black people when it comes to police. But the topic is so much bigger than that. The topic is so much broader than that. Um, We're only look at the fact that we're only working on one particular topic and focusing on that particular topic and how much the world is suffering because of what's going on, because it's so far overdue. The power struggle to this is definitely real. There's no question about it but it happens in disproportion to black men than it does to any other race. Mm-hmm. And that's why this is the noisiest first, because it's the area that this country and other countries more than likely are bleeding from the most. Like there's no question for years on end, stop and frisk in New York city, substantially stopped and frisked more black men than any other, any other race in New York city, a city that has people from all over the world. How are you still, mostly stopping black people yeah and it goes back to the fact that i know that we're talking about a power struggle and i know that it's difficult to kind of peel back the layers of this but let's just talk to what's the most obvious we could never assimilate so it's easy to point that out Mm -hmm. we could never assimilate not by the way we spoke our education the jobs that we held Um, How we interact with each other, even at times how we interact with you. 
will always be known as different because of the color of our skin. And it's a reminder. So, of course, if you just go to the most basic level of this, you're looking at it. Why did people mostly of color stop and frisk? Because we knew that they were different and we knew some of the history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there's a, definitely a lot of conversations on the table, um, not to overshadow the, uh, the, the large um, conversation that needs to happen right now, which is the conversation that we're having. And a lot of these subjects that I'm bringing up is just things that I've heard, comments that I've seen, and, you know, pushback from other people. And that's why I want to get your opinion on these sort of subjects. Yeah, I feel like it's more like when you talk about power struggle, um, that's not just a law enforcement thing. Like that's so much more broad than a law enforcement thing. Um, there's no question about the fact that there is a gang mentality involved in police. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a gang mentality that's involved in anywhere that there's power. I'm not going to out the person next to me because we're in this together. I get it. You know what I mean? But at the same time, if we don't get to a point of calling out those yeah. and addressing those and feeling confident that we're not going to be left to hang if we do address them, then we're never going to see a lot of change. And that's not in your control to do. That's not in my control to do. That's in leadership's control to do. And we decide on who leadership is. Mm -hmm. So we need to be much more diligent about that if we want to see these change affected and have those conversations about those changes that need to happen. It's, it's no surprise. It's just disappointing the fact that it continues to happen over and over again. You mentioned the fact that it's, police with you know a power struggle i question the fact why bricks are left in a place where people are rioting conveniently enough to be thrown in through a window you know i saw something online where there was somebody who was you know paying a a, a white person mm -hmm. that was paying a, a, a two black younger gentlemen to go and grab picnic tables i want you to listen to that video closely what did he say to do with the picnic tables did you hear that part? No. He said, grab the picnic tables so that we could build a barrier. He didn't say to throw them through a window. Mm -hmm. He said to build a barrier. But the way that that was proposed was that look at this white guy getting these two black guys to go and get a table. Not for what they were going to do it with, but they allowed us to assume what they were going to do with. And a lot of people ran with the fact that, oh, yeah, now they're going to take it and break property. And, and it was very low. You had to pay really close attention. But that's what media will do. You have to pay attention to the details of everything that you're seeing and question it so that you get a really good understanding of whose agenda we're following across the board. You can't continue to just take it blindly because people are putting out blind agendas to serve their own, mm -hmm. not to serve yours, not to serve mine and not to serve the country. And I think that there's things like that that are happening all over the place, even in government. You know what I mean? I think that there's and that's not let's 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 be clear. That's not just the, the past four years. Right. That's been for a long time where. Um, a corrupt sort of mentality has been adopted and allowed, maybe on a smaller scale, maybe at times on a larger scale, but on scale. Yeah. No question. And stuff like that's a problem. And it leads into why everyone else feels like it's okay to abuse power. It's all right. They do it. They get away with it. They live in a nice house. They have a nice car. Their family's not affected. Yeah. 
But now if you take a look at it, right, if you really pay attention to what's going on, you're seeing police officers begin to hold other police officers accountable. Yeah. There's a Crystal Smith from Florida. I don't know if you saw this one. There was a um, protest in Florida. Um, there was a white cop who had a person who was kneeling with their arms up like this. I heard about that. And he couldn't get around. But he shoved her to the ground instead. And then right behind him, as soon as that happened, Crystal Smith walks up behind him and she's going in on him about the situation. Like he's like, whoa, 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 easy. And she's not being easy about it. Right. Yeah. The more of that we see, the less of a power struggle or a power abuse we're going to see. But we have to make sure that we're holding people accountable to do that and praise that and support that. We can't let those things, those things that are happening, we need to put those on a pedestal. Yeah. For more people see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm glad that you said the last four years because a lot of people um, associate Trump with racism. You know, however you feel about that, that that's that's your opinion. Um but that's not like things have just started happening. No. Eight years eight years of Obama, we were going through the same sort of things. You know, um the thing that Obama really did was he was he was very eloquent and was very good at explaining things. But these are problems that we need to handle locally and personally and stop worrying about who's the the president to fix our lives because no matter it's a white president or a black president we're still going through these issues and we're still having these problems and no matter who wins in November these problems are still going to continue unless we change the way that we think ourselves and people we hold our friends our loved ones accountable for the things that they say and the opinions that they have and make them feel very uncomfortable about these opinions that they do have instead of just laughing them off after a meet or in the pit or something and just... Yo, if you're not checking people right off the bat, you're part of the problem. You know what I mean? If you feel uncomfortable, say you're uncomfortable. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. If they're your friend, they'll be able to hear you out. If they're not your friend, you just save yourself a lot of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that that's just a basic understanding, but I can also understand why there's um, fear in that because you don't you don't want somebody to look at you like, oh, you're one of those yeah. or you're being over exaggerative or ha ha ha. Education allows you to feel confident in having those conversations. So be open to being educated by people that you have around you that are of color. Make this a topic to talk about. Talk about it with a friend of yours that's black or I talk about it with friends of mine that are white all the time. We have this conversation. I'm not afraid to have the conversation. I want people to get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's also the reason why I have the perspective that I have about the expectation of having a white person understand a black man's struggle in America and why I would never be able to have the understanding of a white person sitting on the sidelines of this wondering why their perspective is not as important as a black person's because they didn't grow up in their home. They didn't grow up in their home, listening to 
what slavery was and why it's important before you walk out the door. And we didn't grow up in our home avoiding that topic, knowing that it could risk our lives. There's two different ways that people grew up that they need to be able to talk about in a way that's constructive. You got to love somebody to have this type of a conversation with them. Don't choose somebody that you don't have a relationship with and that you can really yeah. like connect with somebody on. You got to know that that's the right person to have that conversation with. Because if you choose the wrong one, you'll never do it again. Yeah. So you really, really, really need to look at it that way. You know what I'm saying? Like that's important. So what if you have a business associate and they say things, um, you know, not blatantly racist, but it's like a dog whistle, like you said, that is is kind of a makes you raise your eyebrow. How would you handle a situation like that? I did it this past week. I'm pulling somebody to the side and I'm like, let me I want to get some clarity on, on what it is that you said. You know, I sent them a message and said, hey, can we catch up? Can we talk? I want to get some clarity on what you said. And the person said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, well, you said this. And then they're like, well, yeah, I mean, if you really want to talk about it, we could talk about it. I'm not scared to talk about it. I said, good. I'm not scared to talk about it either. Mm -hmm. But I hold people accountable for their words. And the other person said, so do I. And when we got on the phone together, all that tension and messaging turned into constructive, productive conversation on perspective by the end of the call. Because we were willing to get on a call and have a conversation. And there was enough love there to say, yo, how's your family been with everything yeah. that's going on? Like, what's going on with you lately? Before we get into just... Yeah. You got to be able to feel comfortable enough and confident enough to pull somebody to the side. See, confidence doesn't come from having knowledge. Confidence comes from seeking and receiving. That's what that comes from. So when I call somebody out to say, hey, I want to understand what this means, and I go into it with an open heart, that makes me the knowledgeable person. Not the person that's giving me the knowledge, if that makes sense. Hmm. Because if you were going to be the knowledgeable person, you would hunger for knowledge more and search for it. As opposed to posting things up that you feel like might be offensive or might not be. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like you seek for answers. Like I had a lady today. Like I um I had like the the um the blackout posted on my social media. Yes. And this woman texted me and she was and she known my family for years. She was an older lady and she goes, Can I ask you a question? I said, Sure. She goes, Can you tell me what that black square means on your social media? And I could have just and she texted me and I could have texted her back. But I picked up the phone and I called her and I said, you know, I'm glad you asked. And um, and I talked about it. We talked about perspective again. We talked about the difference in perspective and the way I grew up versus the way she grew up. And, you know, by the end of the conversation, you know, her daughter and she was a white lady and her daughter um, was dating is dating a black guy. And and she brought off the conversation to him. And she goes, you know, I can't possibly understand what it is that you're going through. And he mentioned that he was going to go to some protests. And she, this woman has no business really at a protest that I could see. I mean, she's never thought about it before this conversation. But she was like, I'll go there with you just so that you're not alone. Yeah. That's the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're all responsible for having that conversation or attempting to have that conversation. If we all feel that way and we all take action on that, you will see a lot less of this. But as opposed to us embracing what we feel or what we assume people's differences are, we just pivot and walk away from each other as opposed to trying to tackle it. We don't want to, we don't want to go into that. 
That's deep, bro. Yeah. It's, um, it's different, man. It's different. This is definitely a hard conversation to uh, to have for sure because it's um, there's so many layers to it. You know, you're just trying to worry about not saying the right thing, not coming off a certain way, and that's that's the danger of having these conversations with with people who are not not prepared to go down this road. You know, um, yeah, you got to have love for the person that you do it with. You got to find that person that's going to that you could be raw with. You know yeah. what I mean? You can really just be like, yo, can I ask you this question and know that they're not going to, you know, brush you off or look at you crazy for asking it. Yeah. You got to find that person in your life. And that's the person that you have to begin to have that conversation with. And after the first conversation, don't get me wrong. After the first conversation, it's a lifestyle to have these conversations ongoing and figure it out. And to share the knowledge that you've gained with other people. Yeah, definitely. It's important. That's a big. That's a big part of the shift that we're talking about. But you, the first thing you have to do, is be wise in making sure that you select the right person to have that very personal conversation with. It's got to feel like a safe place for you to have that. Yeah. And when you find that safe place to have it, I guarantee you, when you get a better understanding of perspective, um, you'll be way more open and way more understanding to the shit that's happening in this world right now. Yeah. I'm uh I'm glad that we we're able to have this conversation, man. Yeah, you me know, too, bro. I have a, I have a lot of respect for you. Um, I value our friendship, and there's nothing that I, I ever want to do that that can offend you, not only racially but overall. And I love that having that friendship with you. Where if anything was to come up, all it would take is just a call or a text or something like that. And for us to just jump on FaceTime and the people that I have that relationship with, such as yourself, those are the friendships that will last even further than, you know, any automotive stuff will, you know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we have to know that we have to, I mean, in, in our small community, we all leave when we go into larger communities. So it affects us all. And what we bring back to our community we should want to have it pure. We should yes. ha want to have it where we can have an open dialogue because this is something that we enjoy. This is something that is our release. It's our relief. We want to be able to celebrate it with each other. But if we let that cancer in here where we're not talking to each other and we don't understand each other and we're fighting back and forth about the most basic human principles of being able to breathe, then I feel like we're doing us and the people that come after us in this culture or out of it a disservice. Definitely. And to be honest, man, like, we're all living in this country together. You know what I mean? Like, you really need to look at your neighbor and be able to say, yo, what I have is back if something else were to go totally wrong, regardless of their opinion. If you don't start looking at things that way, we're going to have these challenges for a much longer time. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be going on for a much Our kids are going to be fighting it for us. You know what I mean? And that's the last thing that I want. I just, I, I spent a long time in my life. And I thank God for this. I spent a long time, like after that little incident where, you know, I noticed that the woman held my shirt or what have you. I spent a long time having small run-ins with racism, but I almost felt like at a point that it was very like stomped out. I almost felt like, nah, it's not like that anymore. Like I'll never forget it. Um, you know, rest in peace to uh, Alex Gasson. He was a guy who um, taught me how to shoot and. Um, 
who was just really like a close friend of mine. And he would say it all the time. He'd be like, yo, this country's super racist. And we used to be on conference calls. And we were, again, we were all black. And we used to be on conference calls and being like, shut up, man. Stop that. Like, yeah. you're, 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 it's not the 60s. Like, relax. Yeah. Like, we're not. Yeah, we get harassed every now and again by the police, but it's not the worst thing. You know what I mean? Like, we would, we would dumb it down and dumb it down and dumb it down. And I'm, I want to, I want you to pay attention to the, the, to the connection that I'm going to make. Most of us didn't believe that it existed. Now, across the last four years, statistically speaking, racism has been very much on the rise, mm-hmm. right? Race-based crimes have been on the rise, right? So when you decide that you're just going to keep your people and let and hopefully let them hide their racism over there, that doesn't mean the racism goes away, which means it's going to come back up again. And it may not come back up when you're alive, but it'll come up when our children are alive or our children's children are alive because we didn't take the opportunity to really address it and snuff it out. Mm. You know what I mean? Definitely. So I spent a long period of my life where I wasn't as concerned about racism at all. I felt like everything was pretty much great and things didn't, I just didn't feel it in the country. I think people hit it better when we had different presidents who didn't necessarily tolerate it as much or spoke to it as much in office. I truly believe that. And I feel like, you know, while Trump isn't the person responsible for all this, I'm going to say that because I believe that he's not responsible for all of it. The dog whistles and the little things that go along that don't help the cause, but actually hurt it because it places things in people's minds. It's stuff like that. Yeah. That allows racism to feel emboldened. So I don't want people to feel like, oh, for the best hope, best scenario, hope that they keep it to themselves because you can't ever change them. If we can't ever change them, that means that's, that racism is never going to end. But it's not in every country in this world. Yeah. So explain that. You know what I mean? I believe people wholeheartedly can change. I believe in people more than I believe in anything else on this earth outside of God. I believe in people, in human beings. I believe that they can change. I believe that they can be the best and I believe that they can be the worst. But I refuse to believe that people and human beings will be stagnant. I don't believe that. And anybody that does believe that, I don't want them around. I love it, man. So, so let me get some actionable items from you. Somebody's listening right now. They don't have a lot of black friends. They don't know a lot of black people. They see the stuff popping up. They come up to their own conclusion in their head. And we've seen it happen many and many, many a times, you know. Um, how do you start the change in in somebody? What What's the seed that you're, you're planting in somebody that makes it actionable for them to, uh, to better themselves? Because- if I see it. If I see it, no, 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 no. Just saying for somebody listening right now, maybe this whole conversation has made them think about things a little differently. What do you think that yeah. they can do after this podcast as an actionable, actionable thing that they can do to, um, you know, uh, talk to somebody you're comfortable about it. Initiate the conversation. Take the opportunity to find somebody that you trust and that you love, and. Tell them, first of all, hey, listen, let's sit down and talk and tell them that let's be serious. 
because if you don't have a friend that's black that you can talk about this to, I'm not saying you can't talk to another white person that you respect or another person of whatever color that you respect to get their perspective on this. But make sure you set the tone that you're serious about trying to get an understanding. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then be open enough to explain not someone else's perspective, but explain yours on the topic. And then be patient enough to allow them to respond without emotions getting involved. Number one thing. You do that the first time, it'll become easier every time after that. And then before you know it, it'll be a conversation that you can have with anyone and you can be that person to give somebody else advice on how to tackle it. I'm not even saying what the outcome is supposed to be. Yeah, I'm just saying that you need to have somebody that you love, respect, and trust to have the convo with. Whatever that outcome is, feel comfortable in having those conversations afterwards. And then hopefully you become the ear for somebody else. Got you. Now, here's something else I wanted to get your opinion on is the uh, the N-word. You know, we, we talk about um, the culture, hip-hop, rap. Um, you know, all of those things are so inclusive that it involves everybody. And it's, it's, it's a place that everybody comes and, you know, they feel like they're part of the culture. They support these artists. They support the concerts, everything. But... Um, not being able to recite a, a lyrics of a song or you know getting getting attacked if you if you're singing a song or, or something like that what are your your thoughts on that subject um oh, man that's such a di- you know before before you get I, in i'm going to tell you mine um went to right. a barber shop when i was a lot a lot younger you know it was part of my vocabulary my boy told me, he's like, hey, boy, chill out a little bit. Like, they're they're really touchy about that. And that was like the first time that I've really ever had somebody tell me that, you know. And uh, the other barbers never said anything. They never held anything against me. Really, really cool with all of them. But it was, it was my first light into seeing, like, that that was still attached to racism. Yeah, you it's know? raw. Yep, it's raw. Um, that's a tough question for me to answer, um, from your perspective, because I can use the word all I want. Yeah. I'm black and I I can recite the lyrics all I want, but I've also come to an understanding of, you know, that word had power a long time ago and we took it and we utilized it to embrace each other in a sense. Mm -hmm. We changed the wording a little bit, but we took the power away from that word. And we used it as a term of endearment. Exactly. And I think those words are from Jay-Z when he spoke to Oprah. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I have friends who utilize the word with me. And I love them. And they're not of my culture or what have you. Mm-hmm. But it's it don't, don't allow the word or any word to be the thing that makes you feel some way. The intent of... And the use of that word is what should make you feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. That's big. Because you could say, hey, boy. Yeah. Boy is worse than nigga to me. Yeah. Depending upon how you use it. You know what I mean? Like, there's nobody. You can't come near my house and call my son boy. I will be on the porch in seconds. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, take that into consideration. The term boy versus the term nigga to me, depending upon how you use them, are very interchangeable. And I know that's not a perspective that people understand, but I understand it being a black man in America. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the intent in which you use certain words for me. Yeah. Um, that really depicts, you know, how hard or how much they hurt. Now, do you feel like people don't don't like that word being said by others because of intent, or it's felt like this is our thing and you're not allowed to say it? I think it's intent. I think some of it is it's our thing and you're not allowed to say it. I think, um, you know, there are people of 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 the black culture that don't use it at all. Yeah, you know, they're not happy if I say it. But at the same time, if they're not happy that I say it, I can say it. Gotcha. Like, you're not going to post me up on social media and drag me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to it's not going to be the case. You know what I mean? Like, I and if you know my intent, you can't yeah. do that. And it's unfortunate. And it's a fact that not everybody of other ethnicities have the same ability that I would have to utilize that word. Because they didn't experience it the same way that I experienced it. So it's tough. And it's one of those where if you feel uncomfortable or you're unsure or, you know, I know it even sounds corny, but talk to somebody about the use of the word and what it means to them. Yeah. Like I've been in the situation where, you know, we've all been out and, um, you know, one of my close friends who's, he's a goon to put it at best. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's a goon. And he's Italian and he's used the word and not had all of us around him when he used the word. And people wanted to put hands on him when we were out that night. Mm. And we protected him from that because it's like, now you can't touch him because he's he's our brother. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you see. Doesn't matter what you see. He's ours. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And that's how you diffuse some things like that. Like like the the. The intent is so big on that word. I can't tell you how important intent is when using any of these words, boy, nigga, whatever. The intent is the biggest thing that you need to get a clear understanding on. And that intent is felt whether spoken or not. I've seen people call me a nigga from across the room without like moving their lips. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Intent goes a lot farther than the actual use of the word. Great combo, man. I really appreciate your outlook on all of this stuff. You know, I've been wanting to have this conversation, but I really didn't feel that it was appropriate unless it was from somebody who's lived that lifestyle and gone through those um, those trials and tribulations. You know, and yeah. I, I appreciate no, I it. it, man. I get it, but like I like I said before, man, find somebody that you're comfortable with to be able to have this dialogue with and hopefully the dialogue can go the same way that you and I have this dialogue and we can begin to see a lot more change. You know what I mean? And we can see, pro- cause we can see some protection in it, in the car community. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a big deal. And I can't, uh, like, I can't even express like when I woke up this morning and I saw all those, those black squares all over social media. Like I, yo, I almost teared up if I'm honest with you. Because I didn't expect all the people that I was following to show up like that. Yeah. But they did. They did show up like that, regardless of race, regardless of whether they believed in the total movement or not, regardless of that. 
they took a risk yeah by posting that up and that that speaks volumes to me you know what i mean and i appreciate every person that took the opportunity to do that and that risked something in doing that yeah yeah it was it was huge man um you know even super street posted it up that's wild man (laughs) that's so crazy and it's so encouraging don't ever tell me that people can't change yeah definitely you know what i mean people can definitely change i love it bro so if we ever get out of 2020 um can we switch can we switch topics yeah 100 percent. 2020 i don't even know if uh if we uh if we're gonna be able to do anything you know I know you, and I know when you have downtime, it's being utilized. What do you have uh, planned for us coming up in the future? Hopefully not 2021, but. Oh, man. You know, there's a lot, if I'm I'm real with you. Um, We had the opportunity to speak about just how we were going to build more and and kind of build our own place, right? So, um, um, I, I think the last time we spoke, I mentioned some of my history in regards to what I did before I got into cars. Yes. Right. So um, for a long time, I thought that I was always going to make some content with nice ones and bring it to a network. Mm-hmm. Right. And then in the middle of that, we decided that, you know, we didn't want to bring it to a network that we wanted to actually create a network and create a hub. So we're actually at the end of creating that hub. Now um, we put together a uh, nice TV nice Um, nice tv is kind of like something that allows you to watch anybody's content focused on you know racing in general in one place to save people time and to allow people to fan share gotcha and to allow people's content to be in one place so that everybody can enjoy it like i know you had honda vlogs up here yes i love christian yeah i love what he does i love his perspective on bringing everything from the Honda community into one vlog and he puts it out there and he's consistent with it. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that enough people haven't had exposure to him. Gotcha. Yeah, me neither. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the fact that, you know, nice ones has now built nice TV and we're going to roll that out and we're going to be able to put his channel there so that the people who are watching 1320 can also get a glimpse of someone like Honda vlogs yeah. is huge. Like we're taking that community and putting it in an online place, almost like a television network where you can see whatever you want within this hub. And it goes back to the person's YouTube, their website. It allows them to still gain all the clicks that they would want to get from the content and the media. But at the same time, save people from clicking all around the Internet, trying to find a little bit of everything that they want to watch. You know what I mean? So we spent, I don't know, like a year and some change on that, almost two years trying to build that and build in the functionality and make sure that I was something that was accessible for people's phones. And, you know, we're actually diving a little bit into making that into an app in the next two years, but we want to release this first. Yeah. So um, we're really excited about that. And I know that a lot of people have spoken to us heavily in the past year about, yo, you guys were here, you guys were there, like, where's your content? Our content's going to be all in that channel. We stacked it all in that channel. And, um, I mean, we have some things that people have been waiting to see for a long time. I think one of the 
um, most critical ones is uh, Return from the End. Mm-hmm. And um, Return from the End is basically a documentary on uh, the crash of Jamie Marsh at World Cup Finals 2019. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 wow. it's, it's a different perspective. It's about 24 minutes long. Yeah. Um, and it gives you perspective from people who were with him um, when the crash happened and everyone talking about their different perspectives of the crash and refocusing on the crash and kind of talking about the man that he is, not just the tuner, not just the competitor, but the total package. And um, and we kind of wanted to do that documentary because, you know, for me personally, I was there for the crash. Yeah. And um, I'm really a big advocate of making sure that, you know, I would have hated to have to make this documentary with him not being here. And I'm a big advocate of making sure that we're giving people roses while they're here. Definitely. And so we wanted to make sure that we gave him his roses for what he's done in the sport, the way he carries himself in the sport, and um, what he continues to do to support us and support everybody else in the sport um, in a really strong and positive way. So we made sure that we took our time, we put together 24 minutes, um, and I hope that people get the opportunity to enjoy it through nice TV. Um we have a couple nutty monies that have been ready for a while that we're putting out there as well. Uh, we've got a, a new projects episode on Mac Bronson, and he was on um, Street Outlaws with the GTR. With the GTR, yeah. Got you. So um, we have a new um, projects coming out with him, and just a few other projects that are coming along the way, man. And I think that um, you know more than anything, we're actually diving back into some content to streamline out some things that we know our people would want to watch. Like um, some people just come there for the runs. They just want to see the runs and the passes. So we're going to have a section that just does runs and passes for everyone's media channel. And you can go there and you can look at it and you can, you know what I mean? You can get an opportunity to search through and see exactly what you want. You should be able to look at it through name, year, make model a car. All those functionalities are in there. So you should be able to pull all that up. Wow. we spent a long time building a hub so that people could get exactly what they wanted when they wanted it at their fingertips. I think based on who we have built into the platform now, there have been a total of over 45 million views between all those YouTube channels that you'll be able to have at your fingertips when you go in there. So that's been a pretty big project that we've been working on for a long time. Um, and I've actually, you know, I'm not going to necessarily mention um some new drivers that we have on nice motorsports management, but we've, you know, we've got it. We've got a couple, we've got a couple new drivers and um, we're excited to have them come out and kind of um, get to that next level. Um, we've actually um, been working on a brand partnership with um, drag set. So what is um, it? Is it? I can't see a uh, drag set. Uh-huh. So it's basically um, drag set a street lifestyle brand um that has to do with just from dig racing no roll racing oh shit from a dig racing so uh, we were just finalizing that deal this week so we've got a lot going on i mean we're gonna start taking a look into um a few different aspects of our community so that we can become a hub and we don't necessarily have to go through anybody else for whatever our fan base would require or need i love it bro hell yeah yeah, man, we don't want to. We don't want to. Um, we don't want to be on board. We want to be the board people are on. We want to be able to support people to grow from that. You know Ownership, what I mean? Bro. 
one of the ownership and one of the things that I, 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 you know, when I think about the next five years or even two years, I'd love to see a platform where nice TV provides awards to content creators mm. based on what they do in the community, based on the viewership, based on the fans, based on the followers, and just have a nice night out for with dinner and your spouse and your families. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You just get recognized for the stuff that you've done in our community and encourage people to do it in their community. Yeah. Like if we don't start to reward people for what they do and recognize people for what they're doing in it, especially content creators for certain things. Yeah. Then we're not doing the right thing. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm going to give you a quick hint. If I'm honest with you, we have a section for podcasts <laughs> and your podcast is already up there. So fuck yeah, bro. Yeah. Thank it's you, one man. of those things that we wanted to make sure came across in the right way and just directed people to the content that we feel like they would want to see. Hell yeah. I appreciate that. You know, um, about the awards and the acknowledgement, that's huge, dude, because a lot of these content creators, they, they try so hard, man. Yeah, yeah. their life. I don't do I don't do anything else but this, bro. I I'm with my family. I go to church. I'm probably a savage on the weekends, but outside of that, I'm editing or I'm shooting, and that's regardless of corona or not yeah i gotta be honest for me my life didn't change all that much because i'm not around people that much because i'm in here trying to cook this and i'm not trying to make it subpar for anybody like i don't i i i create what i'm creating because i want it to be the best that i could possibly be and i want to be proud of that at the end of the day i don't care if it gets two views i don't care my concern more is that the stories are told and that if racing disappeared from the planet tomorrow and they only found my latest project, did it represent us well? That's it. I love That's what it, it's about. Man. Every project. Every so, project. So when did we get to watch this Jamie doc? So I'm at, I, I just showed it to Jamie. Mm-hmm. He loves it. And we're going to strategize on drop in the next week or so. Oh, uh, and at the same time, we're going to strategize on drop in the next week or so. And also the nice um, TV drop as well. Cause the t- nice TV drop won't happen without, that Mars drop, that's going to be like our, our, our marquee content because it's yeah. 24 minutes worth of, yo, it's a movie, man. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's definitely, it's, it's probably one of the strongest one we've made. So I got to see this, man. Yeah, man, I'm going to get it to you. I'm going to get you a preview of it. And then you let me know what you think. Let me know. And I got to get that, uh, Jamie interview as well. Maybe, uh, yeah. After Mark, man, why, why you haven't been up here yet, bro? You got to get up here already. I'm telling I, you. I always say he's my Moby Dick. Pause. <laughs> Yo! Bomba Clot, man! He's elusive, bro. Says, oh, Yo, yeah, we'll do it right after this. Yo, Marsh is super elusive, man. Like, that dude. He, Yo, it's like, it, it, I swear to God he's Batman. I yeah. swear to God he's Batman. Like, he bought the white R8 to throw us off, but that's Bruce Wayne's, like, <laughs> black cousin, bro. I'm yeah. telling you. Like, that's what he does. He comes down from the hills, tunes some stuff, and then flies off. I love I, it, I, man. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'll happen. The streets have been asking for it, so it'll definitely happen. Um, yeah, definitely. But I just want to spend more time with him, podcast or not. He seems like a very uh, interesting person that I would like to know a little more about. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to ruin it for you, yeah. but... Um, 
Looking forward to it, man. That's an intelligent. That's an intelligent conversation to have. I mean, um, when you when people see um, Return from the End, and just to give you a little bit of perspective from Return from the End, because I know people are going to be confused. I planned it that way. I planned for people to be confused on it. So there's a couple points that I'm going to give you some tidbits of information I'm going to give you that people may need explanation on, right? Mm -hmm. So hopefully they come here to watch that. Number one is that Return from the End is um, very specific because Omega is the end. Mm -hmm. And his car's name is Omega. And he took that car and he almost like respawned it in the exact same way by the end of the video he didn't rebuild the crash one the crash one was so damaged that it never came back but he almost respawned the next one and so when you call it omega and it's the end it's returned from the end that's the reason that name came about i love it dude yeah double on the next part of it is yeah the next part of it is the time code there's going to be random time codes that come up throughout the content and um they're all different perspectives during the day or the night of the crash. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you start off in it and it starts at 723 right before he's about to launch. Later on down the road, when you get an interview from somebody else and they give you their perspective, you'll get a view at 710 and the car was in the pits as opposed to being in the line. You know what I mean? So people are going to have to watch it a couple times to make sure that they understand what the timeline was in order to get to where the crash happened and what happened and whose perspective was what. You know what I mean? Got you. Now, in, in film and editing, um, who are some of your, your influences, your inspirations? Oh, man. Past um, or present? Spike Lee is... Um, a director influence for me um i think um isam muhammad is a director and editor influence for me um you know i love crispy's work crispy's been an influence for me for a long time um and i think you know i think jay i think jay is a big influence for me because I was watching, you know, Jay's videos before I ever picked up a camera. So just in those kind of different perspectives, all of them almost like a different role in film and a different style in film. But I pride myself on that because I don't just direct or produce. I also edit and I sound design. So I need those perspectives from all those people in order to really value and put something together like that. So when you see like this return from the end, you're going to see all of those different perspectives kind of rolled up into one. Um, and, and you need to admire them to make them work the way I'm making them work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love it, dude. Now, before we get out of here, bro, you were talking about Jamie and you said that it's important to give people their flowers while they're still around. Um, is there anybody else that comes to mind? Um, maybe in, a, in, a, in our community that you see that they're doing, a great job. Um, and then you want to give them their flowers? Man. Um, I really want to give the flowers to my entire crew, man. Like John, No Pain, um, Eldon, 
um, Julian, Jimmy, and Val. Um, I don't think that any one of us individually could have done or accomplished what we did collectively. Um, so I really want to give them a lot of credit, and I want to give them the flowers while they're here. Um, I want to give Javier Ortega a shout because, you know, I often go to him for, you know, wisdom just mm -hmm. in general about life. And he's always been there and he's always been somebody who's had an ear. Um, he's always given me the opportunity to experience different things and educated me on the way to approach certain things. So I feel like that's huge. Definitely. Um, I want to give um, a shout out to um, Joe Pinella mm -hmm. uh, of Alpha K. I think that. Ever since we've been working together, um, he's taught me so much more about in-depth racing and the understanding of why he builds motors the way that he does or why he utilizes what and the, just the entire race program aspect of it. Um, and the fact that he really gives a damn about racing in a fair manner. It's not always about just getting down the track um, by any means necessary. Like that dude's made me believe that there are people who want to do it the right way. And um, I kind of lost that hope for a long time before I, I had the opportunity to really get to know him. So I feel like those are a few of the people that stand out to me. Love it. Um, I really feel like um, Big Mike's Think Bigger podcast is something that people need to hear. So I, I'd like to give him a lot of credit. And I feel like Week um, Junior from Weekfest. Junior? Like, Really? Yeah, Junior, How do you man. and Junior cross paths? Yo, you know what's? Oh my gosh! So this is a, this is a story, man. So I went to Week Fest, and it is Week Fest, by the way, because I asked Junior. Oh, it's Week Fest. And I have it's Week Fest, and I've told people to their face. It's not Week. It's Week Fest, I, guys. It's, it's not Week Fest. Not Week Fest. I have him on <laughs> camera, confirming. That it's Week Fest. Dude, right? Week Fest it's is from Week Sauce, the shop that was in NorCal. And when people say Week Fest, I'm like, you you don't even know anything. It's, all, know it's anything. all good. I had the conversation with him about it. You know what I mean? Like, I sat down and interviewed him about that particularly. And the reason I, I think about, you know what I mean, Junior, is because, um, oh, oh, man. I went to a Week Fest in New Jersey and I just wanted to grab content and I was kind of just, you know, filming a couple cars or whatever. And I had a, a few t-shirts that my man had made for us. And it said, um, straight out of week fest, uh -huh. like when straight out of Compton album came yeah. out. So we had done a straight out of week fest joint and, you know, I had worn a couple, we were playing on maybe selling a couple when people left or what have you, but people saw us with them on and, uh, junior had totally come up to me and said, yo, where'd you get that? I'm like, now nah, we have a couple of it. He was like, all right, well, I don't know if you're really supposed to be selling them unless you talk to me, but I really like them. So like run with it, go, go around, like go. And he allowed us to just be in there kind of working that. And his whole family was like super dope with us about it. Like we gave them all shirts and they just loved the vibe that we approached it with. And I didn't know him from a hole of paint. Yeah. And I, and he gave me the opportunity to sit down, interview him, get an understanding on, on week fest. And he talked about the history on week sauce and all those pieces. And, and this is when, like, he wasn't really in the perfect health, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I admired his strength, even though he was sick, and his vision for the future of the community. And I thought that that was something that made me more passionate about what I did as an editor and as a director and as somebody who creates content. 
So I really wanted to give him um, his roses because I feel like while I'm sure a lot of people do give him his roses, he went through a lot being sick and stuck yeah. with it. And a lot of people can't say that. You said uh, strength, man, and that hits it on the head, bro. Junior's a strong person, and he was going through some tough times for a while, and I I'm glad that he made it out on the other end. I didn't have any doubt in my mind that he would, dude. He's a, he's a strong person. And, um, you know, when Weekfest, when I first got into the community, uh, 2000, I was in the community 2007-ish, started building my car 2009. 2010 Weekfest was one of the first shows that I ever had my car in, and it was on a waiting list. And I didn't think I was going to make it, and, and Junior was actually the one that made it happen. And like you said, I didn't know him That's from dope. anybody at all. He just knew me from another name on, on the forums, you know, some some kids selling bolts or whatever. And um, he made that, he he let me have that experience, and that experience lives on with me forever. There's a picture from that day that we actually went out to dinner for Big Mike's birthday because it was around the same weekend. And um, there's a picture that we all took a group photo. And I got to send you the picture, man. If you look at that picture, it's just like, it, it's crazy to see the um, Mind, right? the people that I'm I'm around in that point. You're talking, you know, Mike, Rywire, Sheepy. And it's just like, damn, dude, this is crazy. And this, this moment of history wouldn't have ever been um, s saved if Junior just didn't take that, initiative to say okay yeah we'll add him on there you know because you can tell that changes life right you yeah can tell that huge one change and then it's so different and then you speak of javier and you know javier is one of my ogs man if if there's ever a situation that i'm in i always reach out to him for his guidance and he's never steered me wrong you know and there's there's been so many times that I've just seen everybody attacking him and the strength that he puts up and the, um, he's just, you can't stop him, man. You can't yeah, stop him. 100%, 100%. And whether it goes from the track, not being there or, you know, having to move events, you know, just keeps on, keeps on going. And I appreciate that about him. And I've, I've always admired that. And, you know, there's not many people that I, I look up to there's not many people that I feel like that I can reach out to for true guidance that is, that is not going to be um, watered down exactly or, or, or change yeah. from you know oh I see how you move or I see this he's actually looking at me as as Frank and not a lot yeah, of people absolutely. do that uh, I agree I agree and he looks at he does that he looks at people for who they are and not what they can do yeah, definitely. That's huge. That's and, huge. And that's how you can tell that he's confident and he's he's set in the success that he has. Yeah. Because he doesn't look at you for what you can add to it. Yeah. He, he doesn't at look at you what you can, can do for him. Yeah, he looks at how much he can put into you to help you grow. And that's huge. Yeah, definitely. Big great choices, man. I love it. Thank you you man. know, I always Appreciate focus uh, I feel like we focus a lot on negativity. Um, I try not to that much on the podcast, you know, but on social media, it's it's apparent that negativity thrives. So I want to combat that um, with with positivity and give these people this uh, kind of like thumbs up, man, because it's it's very rare. People just assume, yeah. you know, somebody like Javier, oh, he's successful, you know, he's doing all right. But no matter what amount of success that you have, 
it's still nice to get that. Hey, man, you're doing great for the community. What you're doing right 100%, here is so 100%. great. Yeah, and he needs that, bro, because, you know, we're talking about two stro strong leaders like Junior and Javier. Javier went through a time where he was not at his optimum health and still made things Definitely. happen. Like you mentioned, he went through a time where he had the rug pulled out from underneath him and he still had to make an event happen. And he did. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it takes a great leader to be able to do that because you can't do everything else on your own. Like, it wasn't just him that went through that. He had the coordinated team to stay in the right spirits to get through that. Definitely. And it's only because of him that they made that happen. So I got to yeah. give him a lot of credit, man. You can't knock that, man. And speaking of a uh, team, a uh, big shout out to Brian from Eat Sleep Race who is the uh, right-hand man um, yep. for, for H-Day, and he's expecting his uh, his child pretty soon, man. So I'm excited yeah, for that. Is. I can't wait, man. He, yo, he's going to freak out. <laughs> he's going to freak out. Like, he's such a clean freak about it. <laughs> and there's corona going on right now. Like, he's going to freak out, dude. Like, I called him. I'm like, hey, you okay? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I had the same combo with him. I said, bro, you'll be all right. I've seen yeah, you. Yeah, he'll be all right. I've seen you Saturday mornings at an H day. You'll be able to take care of a baby. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. He'll be all right. I'm going to get him a big bubble. I know? love it, man. You know, oh, I, I love having these conversations, man. Um, Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. I feel like people don't understand the, um, the memories that we're actually making, you know, uh, especially the people that that are part of this community, as far as you know, um, people who run media, uh, me yep. running business, other business owners, like these these relationships that we have with each other goes way beyond a, a nice ones down star kind of video. You know, there's times no, that dude. we've spent before and uh, memories that nobody will ever hear about. And those are the things that I appreciate. You know what's crazy about it? And I say this all the time. Um, selfishly, I really, 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 really want and I do protect this community. Because if there's no community, I won't be able to have these memories with people yeah. like you. So yeah. selfishly, I'm all for the ecosystem surviving. And that's part of the reason why I brought up Nice TV. Because I feel like it's going to be another extension for for making sure that the ecosystem can survive. You know what I mean? And Definitely. that you're able to get to enthusiasts and move enthusiasts and communicate with them in a way that helps everybody involved get their messaging out. You know, and I think that that's huge. Yeah. I think it's huge. And I think it's something that is going to help be a pillar for everything else that the community needs so that we can keep this going. You know what I mean? Definitely. And, you know, my other perspective on just what's happening with Corona, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that it's happening. But I just got this feeling that once we do have the ability to come together and throw some of these large events, they are going to be the best events we have ever been to. Yeah. Bro. I'm, I'm going to get sleep early for the events that I show up at because I am going to act completely out of character. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to some of those sessions. <laughs> All right, definitely. 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 Oh, I appreciate you, man. And I appreciate you having this conversation with me. Really. No, nah, my pleasure, bro, bro. My pleasure, man. Of course. I appreciate you having me and keep doing what you're doing, bro. I'll see you soon. Thanks, BB. So before we get out of here, can we let everybody know where they can find you at in Nice Ones? Yep. Uh, official Nice Ones on Instagram, um, niceones.com, anywhere else you look. 
Uh, my personal Instagram is offsetzo, O-F-F-S-E-T-Z-O-E underscore. Um, and um, Nice TV will be under niceones.com, so you can definitely check them out there. Sweet. Thank you, brother. And a huge thanks to our sponsor, Heel-Toe Automotive. Been around since 2002, supplying you guys with all the Honda parts that you need. Make sure you guys check them out. They have a really, uh, really up-to-date website where you can contact them and uh, get your questions answered, specifically for Hondas. So um, make sure you guys support Marcus. He's been around for a long time, and he's also done an episode of the podcast. So make sure you guys check that out. Um, and just please support support Zoe and uh, Nice Ones with everything that they're doing, man. Um, they're probably one of the reasons why you're into uh, street racing and racing as well, and you might not even know it. So make sure you guys um, make sure you guys check, go check out the YouTube channel. And if you enjoy this podcast, man, I don't ask anything more from you. From just leave a comment, shoot us a DM, and tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like about it, and just something. I need to hear something, man, because with podcasting, it's so much different than uh, than any other medium, man. You know, it, it takes more than just just a like and a thumbs up to let us know if we're we're going in the right direction. So I really appreciate that from you guys. Uh, oh, once again, thank you, brother. I appreciate your My time, work, man. man. And thank you guys for listening. This is Downtime with Downstar, episode 174, and we're out. Peace.